Hello everybody, my name is Landon Arenas, thanks for listening to episode 185 of the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, a.k.a. Beef, Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you honor and glory and all thanks, Lord, and what a pleasure it is, Father, to be able to gather the Brain and myself, Lord, in, in, in this way, Father, and to continue on with our podcast, Lord. Thank you for uh, the opportunity you give us to do it, Lord, although lately it's been uh, you know, more uh, uh, periodic here and there, Lord, just because our schedules uh, have, uh, you know, kind of been all over the place, Lord. But Father, the fact that we're able to still continue on and and talk about life and uh, talk about your, your word, Father, it is a blessing to the both of us, Lord. I pray that you continue to bless my brother out there in the East Coast, Lord. Continue to be with him, Father, especially in this process that he he's going through uh, to become an elder at his church, Lord. What a blessing, Father. I... He's going to be the, a great fit for his church, Lord, and a blessing to have, Lord. And I just pray that you continue to bless him throughout his uh, um, elder class, Lord, and, and finishes up, Lord, and he is presented before the church, Father, as an elder, Lord. What a blessing that is, Father. Uh, to me as a brother and a friend, Lord, uh, <laughs> Father, he's uh, such a, uh, an inspiration, Lord, and such a, uh, a great example to my life, Lord. And I am so glad that I have him as a friend, Lord. And thank you for his life, Lord. Let us be blessed as we discuss uh, different subjects, news, and things like that during this podcast. Let us, and uh, everything that we discuss, give you honor and glory, Lord, and let it uh, let it be a blessing for those that hear, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to give us. Let us continue to give you uh, all glory and all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you for those kind words. Oh, bro, you don't even know. I mean, you know, but you don't know, right? But yeah. Well, probably half. Yeah, probably half of that. <laughs> no, folks, let me tell you, my brother is a big blessing in my life. And, you know, there's times where I, where I express that, but today I'm actually expressing it. He is a blessing to my life because this man has been a true brother in Christ and a friend. He tells me what I need to hear uh, this, you know, directly from scripture and directly from his own uh, experiences that he can share with me. And that's what I need as a man in my life. And what a blessing that he's an ear. We have fun, we discuss, but when it's time to get serious, my brother gets serious and I appreciate that about him. And uh, yeah, bro, you're going to be a blessing to your church father, to your church becoming an elder. Well, uh, that's my hope, and uh, Lord, to God be all the glory, and uh, you know, I just pray that God continues to guide me in these things, because uh, you know, you're dealing with serious stuff, you know, you're dealing with disciplinary issues, you're dealing with uh, trying to get lost sheep back into the church, you know, you're you're making contacts with people, you're you're trying to bring people into good, you know, sanctification growth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things are responsibilities of elders. And um, so it's a big responsibility. And I, I just uh, pray that God would give me grace and uh, being able to do it to hit, to, uh, to uh, the benefit of the church and uh, the, the glory of God. 
Good stuff, my brother. And for those that know, don't know, I'm glad you were saying those things that you were saying just now about, you know, eldership and becoming an elder. Uh, you know, elders have a lot, my brother said, a lot of responsibility. They truly do. Why? Because they're doing a lot of that work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. They're dealing, like my brother said, with discipline. They're dealing with a lot of the things that happen within the church when it comes to every aspect of uh, church life. So, folks, <laughs> you know, it's important to have elders in church because yeah. the pastors need elders not only to be kept accountable, but to also uh, for the help you know, and directing and guiding the church and all that good stuff. So, you know, we need to definitely focus on that. And, you know, I'm glad that we're able to say these things about eldership. So yeah. good on you, my brother. Appreciate well, that. You, brother. So you said you were mentioning you had some news from out there in the, in the South Carolinas. Yeah. Uh, it has to do with the um, United Methodist church actually. And, uh, the issue of uh, ordaining uh, gay pastors or, or ordaining uh, gay people into the ministry, and also the issue of um, the LGBTQ um, concept of marriage, do, doing gay marriages. And so there's there's a big split that's occurring. But bro, wait, that so, means you're you're in, you're in the times. You know, you're, you're being, you know, open to everybody. Hello. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> you do that so well. <laughs> he, play, he plays the devil's advocate there, folks. Um, well, uh, what happened is, is, according to the article that I looked at, 200 U, uh, United Methodist churches are splitting off. From the denomination. That's a lot. 200? In North Carolina alone. Oh, in North Carolina alone. Holy smokes. (laughs) Uh, Because they don't agree with uh, ordaining uh, gay pastors and they don't agree with gay marriage. Good. So so they're staying with a biblical view of it Mm -hmm. and uh, not a let's stay up with the times view of it. And and so they're splitting off from that. Mm. So they're they're going to be forming. I don't know if they're going to form their own denomination, or if they're going to form a different, you know, uh, Methodist uh, yeah. denomination, or if they're going to go independent. I don't know. But uh, but the petitions going in on uh, March, no, May the eighth. Mm. They're petitioning it. Yeah, uh, it's already been announced that they're gonna they're gonna do it on May the eighth. And uh, of course, the big question is dealing with church property. Oh, they're that's gonna, gonna to be huge. Out. Yeah, because who's who gets to keep the property? The the denomination mm-hmm. or the individual church? Wow, that's gonna be a fight. You know it. Yeah. Oh. Well, you know, history. As we've seen, we've seen the United Methodist Church within the last six years has become extremely loose. Right. And so it's no surprise that uh, this has happened and taken place. Good for these churches that are standing up, bro. Don't you think? You know, yes. Yes. that, That means they're probably adhering more to what scripture says than, you know, what society says, which is what we need. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm looking up a verse while we're talking. But so there are probably going to be a lot of lawsuits involved, and I'm assuming, right? Because of the property 
right? Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know if there'll be lawsuits. Uh, it depends on how the split goes and how mm-hmm. they decide to to do things. Um, I'm sure the individual churches would like to keep their property, but I believe their, sure. their conviction is strong enough that if if the denomination says, well, you're going to have to pay you know, $300,000 or something mm-hmm. ridiculous to keep it, or we're just keeping it, uh, then, you know, I'm sure they'll walk away and go, okay, we'll go meet in a in a cafeteria someplace and have yeah, church right. on Sundays, you know, um, because it, it's coming down to that in this country. Uh, you're either a biblical church or you're a worldly church, and that's that's where we are. The split between the sheep and the goats is is it's it's right in your face at this yeah. point. No, absolutely. You know, and God is is bringing a sword and He's cutting the dross away from the gold and the silver mm-hmm. It's purifying the church. No, and that's, absolutely. that's what I see happening. So go ahead, Ben. No, I was going to say, yeah, you're right. Nowadays, you know, it seems like, you know, we have this mentality that church is a church building or the church facility where we attend. And it's not. So the church is actually the body of believers and we right. probably have to go back. No, we have to go back. We should be of the understanding that we're not, maintained or held by that church facility or building we can have church wherever we can gather it doesn't matter so true believers are going to go we don't care if we lose the building we want to gather whose house or whose uh, school or whatever you know that's that's what the first century christians did they met in homes yeah Right. They didn't have church buildings. They did, they were there. They were just getting started. They didn't have um, a system of handling money to build a church building or anything like that. And I don't know how well that would have gone over in ancient Rome anyway, mm-hmm. in, in that right. in that particular century. Now, by the fourth century, Rome, uh, there were churches all over Rome. I mean, church mm-hmm. buildings built all over Rome. So, so you can see how that change and progression took place with the church in in a matter of three centuries yeah you know or a little less than three centuries and uh and by the fourth century the church had conquered rome and they Mm -hmm. did it they did it the way god christ said they would have to do it they did it by propagating the gospel Mm, they didn't do it they didn't do it militarily like the jews were looking for when christ was here on the earth and they were saying when are you going to restore the kingdom when are you going to you know basically what they were asking when are you going to take take over rome and when are you going to kick caesar off his throne yeah that's that's what they were looking for because these caesars were wicked people especially nero Mm -hmm. especially nero nero was horrible oh yeah I mean, Nero. Nero would make Hitler look like a a Sunday school kid. You know, I mean, Nero was bad. When you read about Nero, you're just going, "Holy cow!" I mean, you know, Hitler never killed his own mom. Uh, that's true. And didn't kill his own <laughs> wife. You know, and he killed his mom for political purposes. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. he was he was a monster. Yeah, he was but, uh, yeah, but um, yeah. At any rate, um, Christ kept telling them the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of heaven is like that in the parable. Mm. He's explaining to them, how do you expand the kingdom of God? You do it through the gospel. Mm. And in the first four centuries in Rome, it it proves that what Christ was saying is accurate, that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. 
in yeah. those first four centuries. So, I mean, they that kingdom of God was expanded, and it's been expanding ever since. No, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, in those times, the the Jews believed that you know believed their gospel was that Messiah coming and destroying the Roman Empire, right? Right. Yeah. They, <laughs> and Jesus did not fit that bill. It's like, what? Are you serious? What are you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> like, come uh, on. Like, so, like when he said that my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, that was outrageous to them. Right. right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he right. wasn't talking about ancient astronauts from another planet. Okay. So let's get that one out of our head, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's that's the new religion, right? Mm -hmm. so it's a theory that we were seeded by uh, ancient uh, civilizations from outer space. And right. that's how, you know, because they, you know, they can't justify Darwin's theory anymore because it doesn't fly. No, that, 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 that house is like, on his last uh, piece of foundation standing, that's why they got to start looking for another one, bro. It's dying a very slow and painful <laughs> yeah. death, right? Oh, and so, yeah. so these guys, well, we got to come up with another theory. And we don't want to. We don't want to go to Genesis, so we got to come up with something mm -hmm. else. So, so I, I know ancient astronauts seeded us. Oh, right? Man. Who comes up with this stuff? Well, man does, but yeah, man does, <laughs> who comes yeah. up with this stuff? Like, come so on. my question is that so how creative point, we get? <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, that's about the extent of our creativity. Oh, my uh, goodness. So, so my question is, who seeded them? Uh, yeah. Do we have an infinite regress of seeding? <laughs> who was the original? <laughs> and how did they get here? Exactly. Exactly. We're back yeah. to point A again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Wait, we're starting it's like, up again we, all over again. Did, did nobody really think this through? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Talk about being in, stuck in a twilight zone right there. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, you know, we were touching up up in churches, especially with what's going on with the United Methodist Church. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, because you've been discussing this in your own podcast. For those that didn't know, my brother has his own little, well, yeah, podcast, you know, yeah. kind of his own YouTube type of thing it's video. i hate to call it even youtube but his own videos yes thank you yeah i'm, and, on, I'm on youtube and bit shoot and i am on rumble but rumble's not been loading up the the videos lately mm. so mainly bit shooting and youtube there you go my brother's already sponsoring himself or endorsing himself <laughs> go see him out well, you C asked. C5. C5. I'm just answering your question, brother. <laughs> I'm like, you better get clever on this, bro. It's it's all you. The spotlight's on you right now. <laughs> uh, uh, anywho, you were dealing the, with the questions, with the question, why are millennials leaving the church in droves? Bunch what? of them. Like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm a millennial. I don't need church. <laughs> well, I got myself. I can take care of myself. <laughs> that sounds more like Gen X or I'm, I'm, I'm independent. I can yeah, take that's true. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, millennials are more with the feelings, right? It's a little yeah. bit of Gen X, but with a lot more feelings involved. Yeah, and, and it, you know, I I don't like to stereotype according <laughs> to generations that much, really. But uh, 
But, I'm going to uh, go ahead uh, and stereotype. <laughs> but the stereotyping is out there. I mean, I didn't do it, folks. Somebody else already started it. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, they base it on um, their environment when they were growing up. Like the Gen Xers, they um, they dealt with a lot of divorce, and they were the key latch kids. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. Are you Gen Gen X? Uh, yes. So so the Gen Xers. Um, learn how to be independent. Yes. They're the ones, yeah, they're the ones that said, "Okay, I, I nobody's helping me here, so I'm going to have to learn how to survive on my own." Oh, absolutely. And it, let me add yeah. a, a, one more thing to that. Gen Xers are the ones that have dealt growing up in church with all the rules that there was placed upon you. Uh, it got worse for the PKs, pastor kids. Yeah. But you couldn't, I mean, anything that had to do with sex, drugs, rock and roll, you can even look at it because you were sinning, you were bad. So Gen Xers had to deal with that legalistic side of things when it came to the church. So a lot of the trauma comes from that upbringing instead of, you know, you know, I'm not saying every single one of them, there was parents that opened scripture and let's see what scripture says and lead you and guide you in the right way. Instead of this is a set of rules, you follow them or you don't. And if um, you don't follow them, uh, sorry, just follow them. That's all the best I can do, our parents would say. Uh, so that's the Gen Xers. But yes, you're right. The, uh, what is it, millennials now? I mean, divorce, That's after that, divorce just skyrocketed even more. So right. not only are they, were they dealing with legalism, some legalism, but also divorce. Well, you know, we, the pain we of that. We tend to overreact to everything, it seems. You know, mm-hmm. my generation, the baby boom generation, uh, they let, I mean, you'd basically go out the door saying, hey, Ma, I'm going, you know, I'm riding my back bike down to the dam. You know, that's what I yeah. used to do because, mm-hmm. you know, we had, you know, probably uh, two miles away, there was a dam. And you had the mm-hmm. lake on one side and the river on the other side. Right. Just to cl- clarify that I'm not using vulgar language, D-A-M, dam, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You can't explain these things these days. But we used to ride down there and ride back. And, you know, as long as we were back before supper, mm-hmm. it was fine. You know, yep. my dog used to roam the neighborhood everywhere. There was no, I didn't know what a leash was when I was growing up. Everybody's dogs just ran free. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and you know, you didn't, you didn't worry about your dog. You just walk out. When it's time to feed the dog, you'd walk out the back door and yell his name. And here he come running from way out there. Oh, it's yeah. hard to come, oh, yeah. come here, you know. Oh, yeah. um, and so that was the baby boomers. Baby boomers basically, yeah. you know, they we didn't have, you know, cell phones. We didn't have we, all, well, only thing we had was uh, three, maybe four stations on a black and white TV. Mm. And when color color t- TV came in, man, that that was the space age right there. That is so and, funny, bro. Because uh, AM you, radio, yeah, you got yeah. the black and white yeah. on the TV and AM yeah. radio. I, me yeah. as a Gen X, pretty much everything you just said, I went yeah. through. But yeah. we had color TV, bro. Yeah, so you were spoiled. We had color TV, and then we have the good. <laughs> we had the good <laughs> FM stations. All right. So you and were then, then, you you had color TV. <laughs> you had you had a track. I had cassette tapes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I remember the eight track. Remember that the eight track? Yeah. I remember I, my brother playing eight track in his car when we were riding around. <laughs> my yep. dad used to push uh, his in and uh, his van, and then uh, if it wouldn't start playing, he'd just go. Poof. <laughs> and then I remember. Again. I remember when he first got uh, a cassette 
And it was a little portable one, right? Mm-hmm. One speaker cassette player, right? Didn't even have stereo, right? And the, and the first thing he played on there was uh, Chicago Transit Authority. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, wow. but anyway, um, so anyway, things developed from there. So what, so the, the big swing in reaction among the generations, my generation was basically, I mean, we were basically similar to the, you know, the generations that came before us. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of technology and we'd go out and spend a lot of time outside and had to be home by supper. Right mm-hmm. now, the difference between my generation, and my dad's generation is that he, he lived and worked on a farm mm-hmm. growing up and I didn't, I, I, I was in a small town. Yeah. But, um, and then the Gen X comes along and they're the latch, the latch key kids. Oh, yeah. And then the millennials come. And so, so still you guys, nobody was hovering over you. There was no helicopter parents or anything for Gen X. You were basically learning how to survive on your own. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so there was a rea- reaction to that. And in the millennial uh, generation, it was, Going from, we have no clue where our kid is because nobody had cell phones when you were growing up, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We just expect them home at a certain time. And if they didn't show up by the time that uh, <laughs> the music was playing to shut down the TV at night, right, uh, right. you call the police mm-hmm. on the phone oh, that, yeah. that's on the wall, on the phone that's attached to the wall on the, right. in the house, you know, and uh, ask them to go look for you. And, and then you find out that, you know, he spent a night at a friend's house or something. Right. Uh, but, uh, and then, um, so we went from that to parents really locking down millennials. Mm. And so millennials were not the outside kids. They were the inside kids on the computer. Cause this is when the computer yes. starts coming in. No, you're, you know what? Let's yeah. mention Gen Z. Cause Gen Z is right between millennials and Gen X. And Gen uh-huh. Z came in during the period when the internet was off and running. Right. But right. then millennials came into the social media world, which completely right. turned everything upside down for them. Right. Now, this is what the church has been contending with. Mm. Mm-hmm. This rise in technology, right? And and how it affects people. Right. Right. It's a new territory for the church. So what does the church do? The church totally overreacts and says, well, we have to be like them. Right. You know, we got to change, change up everything. We got to change up how we do our services. We got to change up how, up how we present things. And so what the church became, uh, many churches, not the traditional churches were still around, but they were, they were struggling, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but what the, these mega churches came into play because uh, not all of them, but many of them became corporations. Mm. They became media entertainment groups and um and they became uh, marketing corporations. Mm. They, so they marketed it to the generations to get them into church. And then when they came into church, they were presented with a, a, a stage where there was entertainment going on. A gospel-oriented entertainment, if you could call it that. And, and the church ceases to be, be a church. It becomes a Broadway musical. You know, yeah. it's 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 a lot of music, a lot of special singing, a lot of even, the, you know, they even have dramas going on. 
in what ten minutes of a homily, uh, and yeah. maybe maybe if. a verse, maybe a verse out of the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? So we went from feeding and nourishing the sheep, which was happening in the, tr- the traditional churches, to let's just get them in, yeah, and and then let's entertain the heck out of them. And and uh, and you know, give them a little ditty from the scripture. So we don't want to offend them. We don't want to run them out the door. So we'll give them a little little piece of morsel out of the Bible uh, that's not offensive. And then you know, we'll just keep it going from week to week to week to week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. but, and all the people flooded in, but guess who walked out the back door? And nobody noticed. Mm. Starts with the name. The Holy Spirit. Oh. Yes. Definitely. The Holy Spirit left those churches because they were not honoring Christ. They were not honoring the Holy Spirit. They were not honoring the Word of God. They be, they, they were trying to market to this massive change that occurred in society, and it had a, a negative effect upon the church. Mm-hmm. Instead of going back to the Scriptures and saying, well, this is how Christ told us to do things— they did marketing research and said, oh, so this is how the marketing research tells us how to do things. Mm. And they walked away from the instructions in the scriptures concerning the church when they did that. And so you have a church that's, there might be a few believers there. There are a lot of unbelievers there. And there is no church discipline. There is no uh, foundational teaching in the word. There is no uh, cohesiveness uh, around um, um, Christ and around the fellowship of believers. Uh, it, it, it's the, the, the sheep were starving. And, mm. and, uh, and so what's happened now with the current youngest generation, I don't know, what what are they called? Do you remember? Uh, There's a younger generation. Yeah, there is a new one that started. And I, I can't remember Cannot what they're, remember they're I don't know. Some people make up these names. I don't know what it is. Anyway, that youngest generation is having another reaction to this uh, – this exodus of the of the traditional churches by the millennials and some Gen Xers, and they have reversed direction and gone back toward the traditional churches because what they're suffering and what they're looking at is, my goodness, this is not doing anything for me. The church looks like the world, talks like the world, thinks like the world, acts like the world. So why should I go to church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, why, 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 why waste my time on Sunday morning unless I just want to go in, get entertained? Mm. Yeah, you know, there's and no. Dis- let me give you the regenerations that we're looking at. I found something that gives us a little bit of information on that. Right. So, born between 1928 and 1945, that's anywhere between 78 to 95 years old. That's called the silent generation. Right, that's the guys that came out of World War II, and they they World never- War II. That's right. They never talked about the war. Baby boomers born yeah. between 1946, 1944, 59 to 77 years old. <clears throat> That's kind of where my brother falls in the category. <clears throat> Just saying. Gave it away, brother. <laughs> Generation X, 1965 to 1980, 43 to 58, 58 years old. I that, fall, that, that, in, I fall that, in there. 
Yeah. So I'm I'm up to 64. So I was I was at the tail end of the boom. You were right at the last yeah, tail end. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then we actually we got millennials. I thought Gen Z was before millennials. So millennials no. that's between 1981 and 1996. Yeah, Gen Z it's right after 27 and 42 yeah. years old. Gen Z born between 97 and 2012. Right. That's 11 to 26 year old. We got generation alpha. Oh, there's Alpha now? Yep. Born early 2000s through 2025, zero to about okay. 10 years old. Okay. So they're up and coming. I think it's Gen Z, if I'm correct, that, that has had a reaction to the liberalism of the millennial generation. And they yeah. have swung the pendulum all the way back over yeah. to the conservative side. And they are looking for something distinctive and something real. Yeah, and, and the millennials had a lot of you were just mentioned, but I mean they, a lot of influence in the Gen, Gen Z because a lot right. of what Gen Z was doing, millennials already done, but Gen Z kind of took it into a more it's more personal, it's more even more there's more feelings involved. So right, kind of right. See the, the millennials got locked down pretty much by their parents, the helicopter parents, right? And uh <laughs> I mean that's what they're called. I mean, yeah, I, I don't like true. this. I didn't come up with this stuff, folks. Other people do. I'm just using what they came up with. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I hate these terms because they, they really do, uh, uh, they stereotype people. They categorize right, people. Right, and not right. everybody's in those categories in those generations. But um, they got locked down. And so, and so the problem with that is uh, that there's going to be a reaction to that eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, they they got out into the world and, and they didn't understand how to communicate with people because every, all the communication was online. You never had to get up and get out of your car and walk to a door and knock on the door and talk to a parent and say, can Johnny come out to play? You didn't have to answer a phone or a call or try to call your friend and the parent answers and you've got to talk to the parent before you can get to the kid, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I remember when I was a kid, we used to, and we were taught to answer the phone and say, uh, hello, sir, or ma'am, this is the such and such residence, right? Right. Who would you like to talk to or something of that nature, right? There was an introduction. There was. Yep. Yeah. And now nobody, nobody would dare do that because I privacy, right? We don't, we don't want to give away all that. That's too much <laughs> information. Get it. <laughs> Well, so there's this there's this there's this fear factor that's occurring, mm-hmm. right? And so the millennials being locked down, they lost that, and it's not their fault. It's just that this was the product of their time. Uh, they lost that ability to have that personal face to face communication. Mm-hmm. People, yep. everything was online by that time. It was all Facebook. It was, you know. Uh, you know, email and whatever else. I mean, I'm behind the times. I guess there's Instagram now. So I, you know, <laughs> I'm way, be- I'm a boomer, brother. I'm way behind the times. Okay. <laughs> You'll find about things way <laughs> you know, later. <laughs> I'm still thinking about black and white TV. Right. So, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I mean, I got past the cassette tapes. I can tell you that, you know, <laughs> just a joke. Oh, but anyway, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of what's happening. So the church trying to relate to the people, mm. rather than depending upon the providence of God and the instructions in the Word of God, uh, 
fell away from uh, that formula that Christ gave the first century church. And it's almost like it got to the point where obviously you have to draw people, right? As a church, you know, you, what, there was a, some studies made that, and I think it goes back to, um, what was that guy from the Crystal Cathedral? can't remember his name. Oh, remember that I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. Anyways, he's one of the ones that went out into the communities and asked, what do you want of church? Or what is your expectation right. of a church? And they were all like, you know, I would like to see. And he adopted a lot of that, what people wanted, you know, in a church. So it, it got to the point where they were attracting via, you know, entertainment to draw them in. But right. what did they have to do after that? continue entertaining because that's the only way they were going to keep them there and when they finally try to deliver you know a smidget of the gospel or a little bit of conviction or repent of your sins they weren't going to have it it's like nope i don't think so where's my entertainment you were inter entertaining me all this time what happened you know and and out they walked the walk out the door they go. exactly and that's why they're leaving because they went out from among us because they were never of us and so they were false converts, and they would never. So you know they were counted as church members, which should have never happened because nobody ever had a members class to determine where they were. They yeah. just walk in the door and say, "Hey, everybody!" And they'd be, "Oh, come in, brother! You know, you want to join the church? You know that kind of thing." So, um, and so it, it, it was just a false image, a false. Uh, 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 it was kind of fake because yeah. you thought that these churches were filling up. Oh, we're having a revival. All these churches are filling up with these people. And they were mostly false converts or not yeah. converts at all. Yeah. And you uh, bring and up a great point, bro, because, uh, you know, especially within the last, I don't know, not, not even five, 10 years, like a little, a little bit more than that. There's a lot of reconstruction that is taking place amongst evangelicals, right? And a lot of those I mean, millennials fell, went through that, that reconstruction process, they call it. And the craziest thing, brother, is that, like you were saying, there were there were members of the church where they were going to. But not only that, they were involved in big time, like ministry, teaching, uh, uh, whatever, music. I mean, you name it, you know, uh, uh, Bible study teachers. And all of a sudden, they're dropping like flies because they, quote unquote, had a reconstruction moment and they're reconstructing their faith. And now they become ex-evangelicals, as they call them. Yeah. And that's not, uh, by the way, that Dosarians folks, that was on the California side over there. I just want to let you know. Oh, you heard that, huh? Nice and quiet over here in North Carolina. So anyway. (laughs) That's right. You probably never hear anything like that. (laughs) By the way, uh, Crystal, Crystal Cathedral. Uh-huh. Robert Schuler. Schuler. Uh, I knew it was Robert something, or right. I was thinking Robertson, you, something like that. Which shows yes. you another difference between me growing up and the kids growing up today. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get a cell phone and look that up when I was growing up. I had to, I had to scan the files in my brain to figure it out, <laughs> or, or ask around, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so you were talking about uh, how they were reconstructing and leaving. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, and you know, and we. And well, you know what? Let me ask a little, a little bit more to that preface, so you can get the entire picture, and I want you to like tackle it. So that reconstruction, mm-hmm. uh, they lean towards the universal Jesus, and you know what I mean by universal. 
loves right. everyone. He's hip right. to everyone. He accepts right. everyone. He's loving. Hip, he doesn't talk about Jesus. sin. Hipster Jesus. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it is. So yeah. universal Jesus, you know, you don't talk about, uh, uh, you know, you don't judge anyone adequately. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing adequately, you don't judge them. You just don't do it. Uh, because then you're being me. So that's the type of mentality that they have drawn from reconstruction. There's no dealing with sin. It's you have an oopsies moment and then you move on. You just say, sorry, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which means it's a fake false Christianity. It always, always was. Mm. Now, brother, did you know that there was a point in the scriptures when God divorced Israel. But God doesn't like divorce, bro. What are you talking about? I'll read it to you. Oh, this is this is out of Jeremiah chapter three. And I'll just I'll cruise through this quickly as I can. They say if a man not I'm sorry, let me try this again. They say if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's. Shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places, and see where thou hast been lain with. In the ways hast thou set for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withholden, and there hath been no latter rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me? My father, thou art the guide of my youth. Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. The Lord said also unto me, In the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She is gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there had played the harlot. That's that's worshiping the evergreen tree is the goddess of fertility and, of course, the idols that they would put under the tree to worship. And I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. Now, here's verse 8, and this is the one where it really comes in and, and smacks us upside the head. And I saw... When for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister, Judah, feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Now, if God would divorce Israel for adultery and idolatry, would he not also divorce a church for the same sin? Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, he will. Yeah. Yes, he would. And so what is the adultery and the idolatry of today? It's, it's the worship of self. 
man, bro, why do you have to go for the jugular? I, I why? Oh man, you know. They bleed out quicker if you do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I'm going back to my old tactical days. Never mind. Never mind, folks. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. And you know what, brother? That's something hard to swallow as believers. It is. People tend not to. And not only that, you know, those that study and, and, and you know, stay with the truth of the word of God. We'll go, man, that oh, that's hard. That's tough. But yes, the Lord will do that. Imagine, yeah. <laughs> imagine millennials and every other generation after that that are, you know, f- are going through that and they don't have the foundation. They don't have the discernment. They don't have the wisdom because they were not led and guided correctly. They were not, they did not face the sermon that told them, repent, put your faith to trust in the Lord. They did not get that. So <laughs> imagine I mean, let's put ourselves, let's put on the millennial shoes, man. Yes. I would want to leave. I'm out of here. I don't want that. Right. Yeah. And you said it, I, I, you know, are the idolatry of self. Yeah. You're hurting my soul. I'm out of here. Right. And and like I said, it doesn't apply to all millennials. We need to. No, absolutely not. Yeah. But in a general sense. Right. Um, And, you know, and, and, and it can, it can also apply to a number of different generations. But the point is, is that uh, so the way this came up is because I watched a video of millennials mm-hmm. up on a stage in a church. They're all sitting on stools. They got microphones and they're at a church and uh, no podium, pulpit, pulpit, nothing. It's just a stage like a, like a, you're going to have a Broadway show or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And the question was, why are millennials leaving the church? Mm-hmm. And each one of the four of them, two male and two female, gave their answer as to why they believed millennials were in groves leaving the church. <clears throat> well, I already knew what kind of church they were in. Yeah. yeah. The enter- entertainment corporate um, me- media marketing church, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, each one of them, no, nobody had a Bible you, you couldn't find a Bible in that video anywhere. I mean, you could look in the corners and couldn't find one, right? There was yeah. no Bible to be seen, right? Number two, nobody referred to Scripture in their answers. Mm-hmm. Nobody went back to the Scriptures and said, well, this is what the Scriptures instruct on this. Mm-hmm. Or, this is what Christ taught on this or whatever it might be. No, nobody did that. It was just my opinion is supreme, and that's the final authority. Yeah. And yeah. so I did a video in reaction to that and basically said there's two reasons why millennials are leaving the church. Number one, false converts. Mm-hmm. And number two, they're not churches. Yeah. They're entertainment centers and marketing corporations. Mm-hmm. They're not churches anymore. And when I say the Holy Spirit walked out the back door, God divorced them. Yeah. So they, so they have to drum up a spirit that's not there. And they drum it up through the emotional effects of the music and all this kind of stuff. But God is not found anywhere in those churches. Mm. You know? And yeah. somebody's going to say, I'm being judgmental. Well, yeah. I'm judging according to the scriptures. Amen. Amen. You know? and that kind of judgment is 
required. Absolutely. Required in the scriptures. I'll show you. Oh, I was going to say, show us. <laughs> uh, first, first, first Corinthians. Uh-huh. Everybody, you know, judge not lest you be judged. Everybody knows that one. Oh, yeah. Right. Nobody yeah. knows this one. But the natural man, this is a First Corinthians two fourteen. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Well, there's no spiritual discernment in those churches. Mm-hmm. Okay, but let's get this verse fifteen. But he that is spiritual judges all things. It is a command of Scripture to judge. To discern, uh-huh. to discern good from evil, to discern when a when when uh, a church is honoring God and when they're not. Okay, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And so he, the Apostle Paul is anticipating the next thing. Well, you're saying that he can judge everything. Well, who is he to judge us? And the, so the Apostle says, "Well, who has known the mind of the Lord?" The next phrase is, but we have the mind of Christ. Mm. So if you have the mind of Christ, you not only have the Holy Spirit in you and the knowledge of the Scriptures to make those discernments, but you're commanded by Scripture to do so. Yep. And that, I'm sorry, uh, uh, paramedics out there that have to respond to people who just heard that because they're having a heart attack. I know I just made your night even busier. My apologies, but it's the truth. Amen. Amen. No, it is. It is. It is the hard truth. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's the biggest problem, brother. Like you say, you mentioned how we, everybody knows judge not period, but they don't understand the context. They don't. And that's where churches have fail miserably they touch upon judge not period entertainment period but they don't go beyond that they don't give an expository breakdown of uh, what that context that historical context how does it apply to us which is huge how are we to face life if you don't explain to me you know the historical context in scripture Mm -hmm. and as a church how does it apply and we get to deal with life on a daily basis? So yeah, it's a foul, it's a false foundation. It's a weak foundation. It's that's right. why they're gonna be running to the hills because you know you left a lot of unanswered questions, I'm right. sure. Right. Well, it, let's go to Matthew 7 and look at it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh verse one, just not that you be not judged. Everybody stops right there. Yes, sir. But brother, there's no stop sign there. They're stopping in the middle of the road and jamming up traffic. <laughs> okay. Let's get the car moving again. Let's get I was the gonna say that. There's a, there's, yeah. a, there's a stop for that sentence. No, no. But then there there's more no, sentences after that. No, no, no. There, there, there's a 75 mile an hour speed limit sign there. No stop sign. Okay. So let's, let's right. hit that 75 mile an hour speed limit and keep moving. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you met, met it, it shall be measured to you again. Well, see, the way you judge them, it's going to be judged on you too. Okay, still no stop sign. We're right. still doing 75 miles an hour, right. okay, in this row. 
And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Now, everybody, when they get to this one, assumes that anyone who judges has a beam in their eye. Right. False. What the passage is saying is, if you're guilty of the same sin, don't don't judge your brother for sin that you're also guilty of. Yep. First deal with your own sin, and then you can see clearly to help your brother with his sin. Hey, That's amen. what the passage is. Yes, judge as long as you are free and clear of the same issue, right? So right. Th- that comes out in as we read on. Um, verse 4, or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat, which is what we're supposed to do, and that, mm. folks, is an act of judging out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. He, it's The passage is saying, judge, but judge righteously. That's what it's saying. Amen. Don't, don't judge unrighteously, judge righteously. That's the whole purpose of the passage. But nobody gets it in context. Well, some people do, like Paul Washer and R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur. And, oh, I don't want to go down all that list. But, yeah, (laughs) they get it right. Right. But your your average uh, hipster Jesus pastor gets it wrong, like Andy Stanley. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? Oh, man. You said a name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and there's plenty that, more, plenty more, plenty, plenty more. And before you move on, it's uh, well, no, keep going. We'll talk about this in a minute, but keep going. Well, that that was it. I just wanted. To okay, well, that, that, yeah, <clears throat> that was the ultimately concept. the judgment part is for the buildup of your brother, right? Building them up. People it's see not- it as a bad thing. Like you're judging someone, this is bad. Oh, and you're hammering yeah. over the head, right? Exactly. You're, you're beating them up. No, and it's like, no, it's, it's not. For restor- it's for restoration. Exactly. Restoration. It's, it's, it's the most loving thing you can do for your brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why even scripture okay. makes it clear hey, you better not be doing the same thing because you're a hypocrite. If you're doing the same thing, you're telling someone else not to do it. Right. Even clear with that statement with those words like you better be doing it right bro or else you know right so let's take it full circle and let's go back to what we originally mentioned about the uh united methodist church and the split Mm -hmm. right so what do you think the first thing would would that the churches that are splitting off the 200 in in north carolina they're splitting off Uh what do you what's what do you think the first accusation will be against those churches the ones that are splitting uh that they're judging. Yeah, you're just being yeah. judged. You're just being judgmental. You're just you're being, not accepting. Yeah. God says to love everyone. Yeah, you're not being accepting and loving to everyone. No, you're not loving. You're yeah. just you're just judging people. The Bible doesn't talk yeah. about homosexuality. <laughs> Man, they've twisted and contorted the scriptures so bad. Right? Huh? It, it's that you know. You know the, okay, doesn't Let's say that about, women can't be pastors. You know. Oh, 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 let's do that one. Let's do that one. <laughs> Creative order of God, right? Mm-hmm. God made Adam first out of the dust of the ground. He made, he took an, a, a rib from Adam and made Eve, right? To, to she became, the old King James says a help meet. She became a mm-hmm. help. 
to him, uh, a helper, uh, an assist, uh, someone who compliments him and completes him and helps him in his in in the uh, th- that thing that God has given him to do. Right. That's right. <clears throat> or or just helping him in challenging life. Right. The, mm-hmm. the problems and issues of life. Now. <laughs> You get to the New Testament, you have Ephesians 5, and it talks about Christ and the church, mm-hmm. and it compares it to marriage. And it says that Adam was made first and then Eve. Eve was the first one to be tempted by the devil and fell into that temptation. And so she would be saved by childbearing, mm-hmm. and Adam would have to deal with work by the sweat of his face. Everybody thinks sweat of brow. No, that's just a little bit of sweat on your forehead. Sweat of your face is you are sweating so bad it's coming down your face and dripping off your chin. That's how hard you're working. Okay. That's that. So Adam would be his, the thing that he would have to deal with in his sin was that hard work, thorns and thistles. He'd have to clear the land and nothing would just be cropping up automatically anymore. Eve would be saved through childbearing, mm. right? This is what the scriptures say. All right. So it also says, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians that he forbids a woman to speak in church. Why? He gives us, he gives the same reason. He says, because of the creative order from the beginning. Mm. And that Eve would have to be saved in childbearing, Right, uh, not saved in the sense of salvation, but saved as far as uh, this would be the seed that would bring about forth the Messiah that would ultimately bring a, a, a bring about uh, the salvation that we we enjoy today. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so when so uh, uh, so she is not to have any kind of um, headship over her husband. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 5 says that the husband is the head of the, head of the house. He is to lo- tenderly and, and graciously love his wife and love her as, him, as himself, right? Absolutely. To treat her very, very well. And she is to honor and obey her husband. This is the creative order. But feminists are hating this right now. Mm, bro, yeah. I'm talking yeah, about no, the no. feminists in the church. Mm-hmm. That's right now. So what happens when a woman gets stands up in a pulpit as a, an ordained pastor to address a church? She is making a mockery of God's creative order. Mm-hmm. She's making a mockery of it. When you look at the qualifications for a pastor, it says... Uh, that a, an elder, pastor, bishop, whatever terminology you want to use, they have to be the husband of one wife. So I want to walk up to, what's her name, the, the famous lady that runs around saying, bragging about she's been in pulpits? Um, Joyce I'll Myers? Like, yes. Joyce Myers, Joyce Myers. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to ask her this question. Are you the husband of one wife? Of course, the answer is no. She's making a mockery of Christ. She's making a mockery of the relationship between Christ and the church. Mm. Because what she's saying is, well, the church can dictate to Christ. The church can usurp uh, a pastoral authority over mm-hmm. Christ. Well, that's absurd. The, the man in the family represents Christ. And the woman represents the church. That's right. 
That's how God designed it. I mean, this is not rocket science. This is pretty simple stuff. Yeah. And yet they twist and contort the scriptures so badly. Oh, absolutely. You hardly recognize it anymore. A man's idolatry just makes it impossible to understand it clear the way it is. It makes it like, no, we got to add a little bit there. We got to twist a little bit here, you know, to make it fit, you know, our culture, our times. Right. You know, that's that's what they do. But no, absolutely, bro. It's clear. There, I mean, there's no need to continue arguing on that point when it comes to female pastors. Yeah. There's no need. It's settled. It's done. It's settled by scripture. Absolutely. And what do what but what's the argument? Well, that's just being sexist. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know? So the argument is from culture. Mm-hmm. For modern day wicked, rebellious, antichrist culture. That's mm. where the that's where the argument comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the United Methodist Church is finding themselves in. Yes, in the split. Yeah, yeah. That's Ouch! What that's gonna be tough. But hey, <clears throat> we know, brother, and we've spoken about that. God will judge the church. Continue to judge his church. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we're going to see over the next 20 to 30 years mm-hmm. is that these um, corporate mega churches that are nothing more than entertainment centers and marketing corporations, mm-hmm. they're going to start to die out. They're going to mm-hmm. start or they're going to start suffering because people are going to walk away from them because they're not real. Yeah. It's not real. It's it's fake. It's entertainment. Right. Yeah. And and they're going to start walking back into the traditional churches. Mm-hmm. Because there's a trend toward this is this is not giving me anything. This is not real. This is fake. I want real. I want real. I want to know I want to know who the real God is. I want to know what he really said in scripture. That's going to start coming back. Mm. Uh, because that's a trend throughout the world right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, a, a trend back toward nationalism, a trend back toward the old ways. We're trying to find the old ways again, politically, socially, and religiously. Right. And um, because this is a, a reaction, uh, this is a knee jerk, hardcore reaction to globalism. Not, mm. econ- I'm not talking about economic globalism where there's free trade. We're not talking about killing free trade. That's not, people get that confused. I'm talking about the type of globalism that wants to get rid of nations and make everything, uh, you know, just a one world government and all mm. of that. This is a very, very strong reaction against that. Mm. People want point. their culture, people want their culture back. Absolutely. They want their, and the big thing is they want their heritage back. Yeah. And, that's, and because, that's huge. because yeah, because they've lost their identity. They don't know who they are anymore. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen to the church? Churches are going to want their heritage back. Well, where's their heritage? Mm-hmm. You go back to the Baptist Confession of 1689, you go back to the Westminster Confession, the Belgic Confession, the Canons of Dort. There's your heritage. The Apostles' Creed, there's your heritage. The, the the scriptures as they are written, there's your heritage. And they're going to go back to that. But they're going to go back to a in-depth exegete of scripture. 
We're going to see this in the next 30 years. I, I'm convinced of it. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you, bro. I mean, the way we've seen the last decades of where the church has gone. Yeah. And that's going to be the true revival. Right. That we'll be looking at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Where right. Right. God's going to judge. He's judging the church. And he's separating sheep from goat, meaning the true church from the, you know, false church. Mm -hmm. And where that true church is continuing to find its heritage, continue to stand on that heritage, continue to grow with that heritage and get back in line with that heritage because they they're seeing the failure as a church. Everything else that the church has tried to do is not working. It did not work. Therefore, this is what where we're at. So. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff, bro. Yeah, Man. it doesn't work because it doesn't. Yeah. It's it's spiritually dead, and you have no spirit. You have no spiritual discernment. Remember mm-hmm. what Christ said to the seven churches in Revelation. Mm-hmm. He said, "If you don't repent, I will take take the my light away from you." Mm-hmm. And then what did he say about the Laodicean church? Was it? I think it was Laodicean. Yes. <clears throat> I knock yeah. and man answers. Right. Yeah. Christ is you're neither not- you're neither hot or cold, but look warm. <laughs> right. Christ knocks on these fake churches and nobody answers. Because mm. they're worshiping self. Mm-hmm. See, they're worshiping, worshiping a, a Christ that will bow down and serve them. <clears throat> Their will, you know, well, I want to transition. Well, I want to identify as this or that. Or I'm I'm a gay person, but I want to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, Lord, you just bow down to me and let me do what I want to do. Absolutely. And no reverence, no honor of Christ, no fear of God. Mm-hmm. And so, this is where this is where they find themselves. Those churches are going to die. They're going to die on the on the on the vine. Yeah. Because they're going to get bored with it. Oh yeah, it won't survive. It's not going to survive. Not at all. Right. Right. I mean, it's just, it becomes an outward religious ceremonial type of deal. And there's no real, no real core to it. No real, there's nothing to hold it together. <clears throat> you right. get bored with it. You go, well, I kind of did that for a while. I'm kind of tired of that. We'll go do something else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And those churches yeah. start, start to die. <clears throat> they become political centers is what they become. Yeah. No, absolutely. <clears throat> to, push, to push every ungodly political uh, concept that they can push. Yeah. And they use the, the guise of the church to do it. And then yeah. the media picks it up and they say, oh, see, these Christians over here, they believe this. Right. Yeah, well, you're using the word Christian pretty loose there, <clears throat> you know. Oh, and, and that's another thing, bro. How is the, the Christian label being used? Oh. Right. You know, <laughs> anything that is bad, you know, it's a Christian label with goods thrown at it. And, you know, they across the board label all people as these bad Christians, you know. Right. <laughs> so it's like, what? But yes, that's the world we are living in. Yes. Bro, that is some great stuff. And I thank you for, you know, diving a little deeper into this, uh, folks, when I, when he sent me these, his own, uh, uh, videos that he put out, I went and listened to him 
you know, as much as I could, but the content of it, I thought, you know what, we have to deal with this in our podcast because it's, it's what's happening right now around us. And as believers, as churches, you know, we need to understand and know these things. We need to separate ourselves in way of standing in the truth of the word of God and being wise, you know, being discerning, you know, and, and that's the way we, because ultimately our responsibility is to our children and our children's children, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. God gave us that responsibility. So we need to adhere by the word of God and we need to, mm-hmm. you know, stand up, you know, and, and stand on the truth. Yeah. Good stuff, bro. Yeah. Amen. You know what? This is a good time. Good. We spent some good time. And if you have any closing thoughts or anything like that, now's the time. If not, you know what to do, bro. It's supper time. So this, this, let's get going. Oh, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> time to feed the sheep. So there you go. There you <laughs> All go. right. All right. <clears throat> well, folks, thanks for listening once again and, and share this podcast. If, if you enjoy it, do you think it would benefit someone else? Please share it. We, we don't make a penny on it and we don't intend to. Uh, it's not what it's for. It's a ministry, not a business. And so um, if, if it's beneficial, I, I, Pray that it would uh, uh, be a help to others. So, thanks for watching and listen. Keep keep your mind sharp and your heart pure. We'll see you next podcast. And we'll catch you on the flip side. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic. It is our prayer that God is glorified and that you are richly blessed by this podcast. We are living in amazing times, and it is a privilege to encourage and strengthen your Christian walk through the use of modern technology. Therefore, remember that you can find us at TheVortexApologetic.com, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all major podcast providers. Just search for The Vortex Apologetic, and there you will find us. Thank you again, and remember, keep your mind sharp and your heart pure. God bless.